When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. This is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick podcast network production. And I'm Joey Santos. And I'm Alan Nevins. And this week, the boss is in town. Our boss, that is, Dan Patrick. And not Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas. Dan Patrick, the journalist, the sports journalist. He's the host of the hugely popular Dan Patrick Show, a weekly morning sports show, and now streams on the Peacock Network as well. You also can hear him, of course, across the country on many of your local radio stations. He also started the Dan Patrick Podcast Network with a slate of new podcasts with iHeartRadio and ours being one of them. And we're talking about all of this this week, along with our theme, Worlds Colliding. So let's grab our drink and dive in. So, Joey, we're both in Costa Rica together. Are those castanetas? Yes, they're my <laughs> castanets. <laughs> I casted a net today at the beach. I caught nothing. <laughs> you caught a sunburn, I see. That's just a glow. It's exciting. We're both here. We've never been to Costa Rica before. We're in this beautiful area called Playa Hermosa, which is near Del Coco Beach, also Playa Del Coco, and the northern coast. We can see the volcanoes. We see the entire bay from where we're staying. It is really, really beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just now the sun is beginning to set and it's going to be magnificent. I wish you could see it. It's really beautiful. So we have a drink this week for our special guest, and we're very excited to be having this guest. Yes, we are. It's called a Moscow Fool, and it's based on a Moscow Mule. But since there is no alcohol in it, because the interview we had was rather early in the morning and we didn't want to start anybody's day off like ours, (laughs) I left the vodka out. I used gin instead. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Only three parts bourbon, whiskey, and jam. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a Moscow fool. There's no booze in it. What is your guilty pleasure? You have all sorts of things we've done here. Now you could get some guilty pleasures going. Well, I mean, guilty pleasure today, I did the sea doo or tweedledoo or whatever it's called, sweet doodle or a sea doodle. Wave rider. Well, you call it, it's tomato or tomato. I called it tomato. I'm just going by what the guy that put me on it said. He said, monkey see, monkey do. And it was so much fun. We were an hour and a half out there on the open sea. I avoided the sharks. You went searching for hammerheads and bullheads. I mean, it's it's very interesting how the guy that setting up the sea dues and telling us all the things that we're supposed to do and telling us where not to go is the first place we head toward. (laughs) Don't go near that monkey head rock. That's where the hammerhead sharks are and the bull shark. And we go right to it as if if we don't believe him. 
God, what was my guilty pleasure? There's been so many here. I've broken my di- well, I've broken my diet quite a bit. Yeah, so with that's that Lisa my guilty Renna pleasure. Fish you had with the big lips that's all fried. Oh, I was thinking more of the pina coladas that I can't stop. Oh, that drinking. doesn't count. That's liquid stuff. Liquid guilt goes right through you. It's that other stuff that sticks. It was that pepper that went right through me. That the one hot I gave pepper. you. Yeah. Yeah, but that should not have been hot. Those are usually sweet. Yeah, it was hot. Well, let's get into our theme today because their interview with Dan is pretty lengthy. So we've got worlds colliding as our theme, and that's mostly because he's a big sports journalist. Yeah. And we're not. Or activists, or what do you call them? Sports activists. Enthusiasts. <laughs> I like a good sport, though. No, I've, I've been a good sport my whole life, taking it on the chin. No, but I am a good sport. And I love sports. I love to watch them. I'm just not very coordinated in playing them, but I used to be. Yeah, I used to play a lot but of But we don't follow sports, sports like we may follow other things. Like, we don't know who's, you know, what teams are going and doing. And, what, you know, we don't know the scores of all the players. Like no, some no, people. I don't know their names. And I don't have, and I don't, and it's not a part of my wardrobe where I coordinate my jersey with my socks. <laughs> you know, when I carry a flag on the plane. Hi, hooray, hooray. A few years ago, I went to Argentina. And I met the Martina family. Many people may recognize that because they have these stores all over the world called La Martina, and they sell polo clothes. La Martina, people will know that. Anyway, so this family, they have a great, I think, what do they call them, Fucundos or something like that, big estate, yeah. and then with all the polo fields and big house, and it's a beautiful place, about an hour outside of Buenos Aires. And somebody that I know down there said, oh, you know, let's go out there. I'm taking polo lessons. You could go with me and take a lesson. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. You know, I'll take a lesson. And we got out there, and we spent the morning on the horse and actually it was great because their grandson was giving me my lesson that day and i did pretty well oh, there's a couple of times i almost went over the front of the horse when you know I, you're trying to you have no nothing to hold on to you've got the reins in Grab one hand and you've got the mallet in the other hand so there's you're not holding onto the horse with anything but your legs right so that was a little weird when you're not a big horseback rider but we did pretty well, and we, I think we did that about two hours. So you were actually playing polo? Well, he was teaching me. He was teaching me. You know what they do is they get you while the horse is galloping to try to hit the ball right. while it's moving. But you were on your own horse with oh, yeah. the whole thing, side saddle. <laughs> I just want to get the picture in my head. Yeah, well. Okay. <laughs> and petticoats and boots. I, I just want to get this clear. Okay. Smart ass. <laughs> But no, so that, you know, because you got to learn all those things and you've got to learn to control the horse a little bit with your legs more than just with the reins, right? So, yeah. And if he stops and you, you know, you have nothing to hold on to, so you, so you go flying. You go flying forward. There's a few times I grabbed his hair so that I wouldn't fly over his head. At lunch, it was great because he then said, oh, we're having all these people that are staying there on the ranch with them who have flown in from all over the world and have flown their horses in, which is, this is a very expensive sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. And... They said, come and have lunch with us. So it was so interesting. There was about 16 of us around this long table in their ranch house. And it was Thanksgiving, so it was all decorated. It was really beautiful. Really interesting people from all over the world. And after lunch, we all got along so well. After lunch, they said, let's go out and have a quick polo game. And it was like, but I've only been on this horse for two hours this morning. He was no, you were good. You were good. And I have to say, we did really well. We split up into teams. 
and and I didn't fall off the horse. I hit the damn ball many times, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, oh, I could see how someone could get hooked on this really yeah. fast. Did you catch the fox? <laughs> Isn't that the same game? Or? No, I guess not. Okay. Like I was saying, you don't know your sports. <laughs> I didn't really know that was a sport. The sports I knew growing up were tennis and baseball and football and baseball. Football is a very rich man's sport. <laughs> oh, well, it is really expensive. I, guess I got left out of the field on that one. But I wasn't out of the baseball field. I wasn't left out of that. I told you, my father loved the Yankees. That was his team. He lived and died for them. I'd come home from school. He was yelling at the TV. I'd get in the car. was playing on the car radio. Oh, God, it was just everywhere you went. He actually played uh, at Dodger Stadium. They would do this thing every year. Tommy Lasorda would put on it. It was uh, the stars against the baseball players. And so they would have a game before the game where actors would play against the team. And that was fun to go to. So, yeah, and he would play every year. You know, he, Robin Williams, a lot of, a lot of famous actor. And it was, it was a fun, fun day at the game. So, well, it'll be exciting to talk to Dan. What everybody should know is we re actually recorded the interview with Dan while we were still back in Los Angeles, and so we loved him. Going into it, we were—I wouldn't say nervous. We weren't nervous. We were excited, excited. because he's technically our boss on this podcast yeah. and it was kind of fun and he was great. He was very funny. And I think you're really going to enjoy yeah, it. And he's interview. got so many more interests other than sports. I mean, he and I have cars in common because we both love cars, all that kind of stuff. He's a really easygoing guy, great conversationalist and just a total relaxed, cool guy. I was, it was a pleasure to talk to him and have him on. And uh, I think you'll enjoy our conversation. Well, let's go well. there. We'll be right back with our interview with Dan Patrick. So we're back, and we're with our boss, actually, Dan Patrick. Yes, good morning, Dan, or good afternoon for you, good morning for us. Good morning, guys. So I understand your cocktail is a Moscow Mule? I don't drink cocktails. I usually right. drink, like, tequila and have it yeah. on ice, but I thought Moscow Mule seemed like a nice cocktail to have, a refreshing yeah. cocktail to have. A refreshing. Well, so I made you one. Oh, well, thank you. And here it is. The recipe will be on social media and we'll send it to you. Ooh. Mine actually is a Moscow Fool because there's no vodka in it. It's a little early for me. <laughs> but I'm going to enjoy the refreshment. Although it'll be 9.30 in just 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, well, then in that case, bring that vodka. <laughs> Forget what I just said. Well, thank you. Cheers. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. Our theme today is Worlds Colliding. And we weren't quite sure what we were going to do with you since you're such a pro at being on the radio and we're such amateurs. And of course, we know so much about sports that so we can't wait to talk to you about bowling. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one sport we've been active in recently. Yeah, I'll just be a good sport about it. <laughs> My dad was a sports fanatic and his whole life, the Yankees was his team. Live, breathe the Yankees. And as a little kid, we would always go to the games because we lived in New York as children, you know, so we would always be at Yankee Stadium and it would be on in the car. You know, every time we had an outing, it was always the radio station, always the game. And he'd be yelling and screaming if they were losing. God damn, I'm not a match. I mean, it was crazy. And then, you know, we'd come home and the, and the game would be on and he'd be throwing stuff at the TV and my brother and I would just go, oh my God. So that was really our introduction. 
we were always athletic and we loved to play outside and play sports and do all that stuff with him. But watching the game was never my thing, especially on TV. Going to the events, I loved. I mean, going yeah, to the stadium, always that's always exciting and always great, you know. And uh, But learning about it, you know, I've, I was always amazed when people would get together and they would have these in-depth conversations, know the names, know the history, know the batting averages, know all of that stuff. And I would just sit there looking at airplanes in the sky going, okay, what, well, what was that one? You know what I mean? But don't you have topics that are similar to that as far as your depth of knowledge on it? Yeah, I completely relate to that. I just wish that I knew more about it. So my point being that I'm beginning to be more interested in learning those little things because my partner is a big sports fanatic, plays soccer, hockey, all of that stuff growing up. And he watches every game, basketball, every football game, you know, all the tickets. So I've been getting into that now and learning those ins and outs so I don't feel like such a doof when they're having these conversations or when he's trying to explain something to me, I don't look like there's birds flying over my head. Yeah, you still you look know? like that. Oh, don't shut worry. up, Alan. <laughs> but my wife is the way, same way. My wife will, loves going to the events, but she doesn't know, you know the details. Right. But she knows enough that if she sits there, then she can offer up you know, a conversation about it. But, and I have three daughters, too. And now you know, they're meeting boys and the boys, of course, know all this sports. And then my daughters are blaming me because I didn't make them learn sports when they were growing up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said, no, you were around it all the time. You chose not to learn it. And now they're around these guys. And all they want to do is talk sports because they think my daughters know sports because they're related to me. Right. I know a lot of girls that know a lot about sports. So it's, it's really impressive. I mean, and I mean, and they are. Right there. You know what I mean? They know how to go to a baseball game and shoot for that touchdown. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, you, you look at the NFL. The NFL probably has a good 35 to 40 percent of its audience is female. Yeah, big time. They understand that. One of my first dates I ever had with my wife, we went to a Mets game and I taught her how to keep score during the game. She loved it. It was something that was interactive and, and she learned, you know, kind of the nuances of baseball through it. You have to find a way into it. My experience was similar. I mean, my mother hated when the football season came around, but my father got so excited. But I, you know, my problem was I could never understand, like, okay, there's two games, or there's two uh, teams going on here, and neither one is my city. You know, Cincinnati and, you know, Miami. I was like, oh, I don't care who wins. Yeah. How does that affect my but life? it's the sport. Whereas, yeah. No, I know, but if it was Los Angeles, at least I could get behind it and say, oh, that's my team, right? And that's who I would root for. But otherwise, I couldn't quite get into, like, why do I care if one or the other one wins? Although I love watching the game or I love being there if it's a close game because – I don't really care who wins, but if it's close, it gets exciting. Well, in football, I don't think you, you don't need to have kind of territorial rooting interest. You'll watch a game. You could be betting on it. There's fantasy football. You know, the, right. yeah. the NFL checks all the boxes there that you don't. It's rare when you go into a game and you go, uh, I don't really have a rooting interest. It could be I, I'm gambling or, you know, somebody's on my fantasy team, somebody I'm facing. They have somebody playing in this game. Yeah, betting helped. When betting I started betting on it, that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> especially at the, the horse track, yeah, for sure. There are people who won't, if they don't have any interest in a game, they'll put money on it so they have a rooting interest in the game. And, and you only right, do sure, that with, really do. with football. Yeah. It was funny, about 20 years ago, I was at a, a Super Bowl party. Uh, and it was a couple, you know, a bunch of our friends, maybe about four or five guys, you know. And then it was 
all the husbands and then their wives, you know. So most of the wives were in the kitchen when the game was going on, you know, preparing all the snacks and the foods for the for the guests and everything. And so we, me and the few guys that I brought, we were in the kitchen with the wives, you know, talking, help cooking, you know, swapping <laughs> recipes, all that bullshit. And then halftime comes around. And then all the guys get up from the <laughs> living room, come into the kitchen and start eating. And then all of us, the wives and, and us, we go into the living room because it was Diana Ross dropping from a helicopter to sing, you know, I will survive or whatever the thing was. And so you heard all the rooting and, and the guys turn around and they look into the living room with all of us in the living room in front of the TV yelling and screaming like, "Woo!" <laughs> Meanwhile, we give, nobody cared about the game. You know, it was just the dichotomy of the two things was hilarious. Well, so. you're making as much noise during <laughs> halftime as they did during the game. As they were during the game, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That was yeah. So Dan, you know, a lot of people have asked us how we got this show, and they said, "Why would Dan Patrick ever be interested in YouTube people?" <laughs> <laughs> and if we've heard this once, we've heard it a thousand times. Yeah. It's the now first we question. Now want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Now we want you to explain <laughs> to them, since we can't. I still haven't come up with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we rewind but that? I'm, but I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> no, when, when it was brought to me by my agent, Paul Anderson, and he said, just listen, listen to these guys. I'm more about the quality of the broadcast, not as much content as I am how people interact. Like, it, does it uh -huh. sound good? And that's what the first thing I heard is it sounded comfortable. And then after that, then you start listening for the content with it and how it was different. And I didn't want to be known as, hell, you're just the sports guy. Right. Look, I love music, movies, art, cars, a lot of different things. And I'm interested in those things. And that's why I thought getting a different perspective of Hollywood is, it intrigued me. And uh -huh. your chemistry yeah. is what really sold me because it just works. It just, you know, without even trying, I don't think. I don't, a lot of times you know, partners will try to figure out how do we make it sound better. I think yeah. you two just do it and it sounds better. And, and that's sort of an innate ability to be able to, you know, do something that you're comfortable with and understand the other person, strengths and weaknesses. So those are the things yeah, that well, stood we out. sound like this off the air. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've had a lot of practice. We've been friends for 35 years. Yeah. So, But it sounds we've been getting that on way. Each yeah. other's nerves. We've been getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times what you want to do is, and I, and I try to do this when I interview people, is I want to give you the feeling you're eavesdropping on a conversation. Right. That mm -hmm. this isn't something that I'm broadcasting to you as much as you kind of tuned into something and you're like, am I supposed to be hearing this? I, I want you to have that feel of, you know, voyeuristic, but, you know, in, in an audible way. And, in an audible way, yeah. 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 Well, that answers our next question then about why getting into the Hollywood podcast. But, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you're, you're, that you like theater and all those other things, which, by the way— Musical theater? <laughs> <laughs> I went to see Cabaret. I went to see Les uh -oh. Mis. Cats. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, forget that last one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rent. Okay, that one. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's Hamilton. I think it's interesting because people people oh, okay. look there at you, you as the sports guy, right? Yeah. And you know what makes a well-rounded person, but you know, liking a little bit of everything. Obviously, some people may not like an opera or this or that, but I think guys are. 
in the modern era are discovering that they don't have to be quite so focused on I can only like sports or I can only like this thing. Otherwise, people would think differently about And me. I love a good opera. I've got my best sleep through like four of them. <laughs> but, but what happens when I go to a party, it's amazing the number of people who think that they have to translate the conversation into sports vernacular. That I, yeah. so I somehow couldn't understand this unless they use a sports analogy. And, uh -huh. you know, I usually stop them. I go, no, no, I understand it. Because they'll go, it'd be like um, in your world, it would be. And I go, no, no, they're, I'm fine with understanding, you know, the, the premise yeah. of this. Or if you have an accent and then somebody tries to speak to you in your accent so you'd understand better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But in they English. In, but in or English. In, yeah. So how what are you today? It's like, I speak. I understand regular English. It's not just my Russian version of it. My <laughs> wife would do my that Ukrainian. on vacation. We'd go to vacation uh, in Italy and she would, she would just. She'd start doing this. No, but she would speak slower in English. And I go, oh. I said, honey, they. If they didn't get it regularly, that if you go slower, they still may not understand you. But yeah, it's like talking louder to a deaf person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> huh? you know, and I've done that. No, I've done that. Yeah. What's she saying? Wait, wait, wait. Do you go to Italy, Italy? Uh, normally, or is it just a one-time trip you took? I haven't been north. I haven't been to Lake Como, but uh, huh. going to Naples this uh, that's this where fall? my my. Uh, Ancestors are from my my great grandparents are from Naples. Oh, I'll look them up. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, and well, it's funny thing is our surname is Sarno. My father was uh, took the name Santos from one of my grandmother's five husbands. I think the second one, and uh, so then they're buried in our namesake town in Naples called Sarno. S A R N O. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Veil of of Christ? Have you seen that this sculpture? No. Oh, yes. You have. Yeah. In Naples? Yes. And my wife wants me to go. We're going to Naples to see this, this incredible sculpture. And, uh, you know, if your audience Googles this, it, it. Oh, in the church. Yes. Oh, yes. I have seen it in the middle of Naples. Mm -hmm. It's miraculous. Yeah, everybody lines up to go in and yeah. see it. Absolutely incredible. She wants me to go see that and go have pizza in Naples. Yeah. Oh, you have to. Those are the two things we're doing in Naples. But. Her family's from Bari, the Amalfi Coast, you know, so yeah, down by yeah. the boot. And That's beautiful, yeah. too. Yeah, but I, I, Italy is great. Florence, uh, you know, we've, we've been there. Siena. Have you guys been to Siena? Oh, yeah, I've been to the horse race oh, the, twice. Palio. Yeah, Palio. Once we had front row seats, which was exciting, but you had to sit there for three hours in the sun. Then the next year we decided no sun, and we sat up in one of the apartments where they served us champagne and food during the whole thing. But, you know, the view is a little different from three stories up. It's not quite the same as being right down on the track. But I find that race to be incredibly exciting. Well, all 90 seconds. Yes, it's, it. it's like a three or four hour buildup to about yeah. 90 seconds. And, yeah. and that's it. But it is, the, you know, the, the, the horses, the contratas, the, the, the neighborhoods, they all get together. They have their horses. They bring in these jockeys from Sardinia. You know, they're worried that they're on the take. Like, there's no saddles. It's basically, you try to stay on your horse. You can whip the other horse if you're on a competing horse. Like, it's, it's right. wild. And the first time I went, I went with my friends, uh, Julie and Gary, and we didn't know what to expect. And it was crazy because, you know, people are falling off the horses and getting trampled. It was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. That's the Italian way. Yeah.
My drink's getting low, so we'll be right back. So we were a little surprised by our, our male audience that was following us on the podcast. It started out sort of 50-50. But, you know, when I was a kid, just a few years ago, you know, you couldn't wear pink to school. You'd get beat up. And now you see guys all the time wearing pink and nobody even discusses it. The world has really changed. And I think men are becoming a little more well-rounded. You couldn't even suggest a pedicure to a man a long time, you know, a long time ago. No, no, that's too feminine. Now there's more men getting their this wax, their ass wax, their legs wax, their balls wax. I mean, it's grooming. And, you know, women appreciate it. You know, nobody wants to go in the forest without, you know, without some protection. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least a GPS of sorts. You know, you can't. (laughs) Even a boar looks for truffles, you know. So you got to prepare for those things. It has nothing, nothing to do with feminizing yourself. And, and what about plastic surgery? There, there are more men lined up for that, for Botox and, and skin care. And so it's just a matter of maybe we're finally getting away from that divide, you know, that masculine versus feminine and just being, I think it's in your characteristic who you are and what you are and how you relate. But the physical, we should all appreciate and take care of, I believe. But so do you, one doesn't represent okay, the other. Botox, thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down. Uh, it depends. And, and I'll, I'll just say this. We had a plastic surgeon on recently, one of the better ones in New York City, probably the best in New York City. And he explained it. And there is a difference in the way that you inject a man as opposed to injecting a woman. And you could take that whichever way you want. But the, I'm talking about Botox right now. <laughs> because the, the, <laughs> the expressions that a man has in his face are different than a woman's. And a woman can hide certain things with makeup and that men can't. You have to be very careful where you inject a man so their eyebrows don't arch or become feminized or their face doesn't become shiny. So it's really important if you're going to do those things to go to the, the guy that, that is more expert on a man's face than, as opposed to just doing women. So I say yes if you research it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. No, no I couldn't. Because of the needle factor yeah. or just because – yeah, okay. Well, plus – Yeah, that's I, a, that takes a minute. I, I don't or you want, want to be able to raise your eyebrows. Yeah, I don't – I've been around somebody who just had it done and mm-hmm. like it was just strange because I thought that I was I had some funny lines, but they weren't laughing in a way that I, I don't think they could truly smile. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. And then they said that they had just had uh, Botox and, uh, yeah. and I said, oh, OK, I thought, you know, I'm wasting this good material on this person. Yeah, yeah. You need a better audience. Yes. I mean, even Joan Rivers couldn't make herself laugh anyway. <laughs> but I could never have cosmetic surgery. You know, should have no. is one thing. I couldn't do it. I just, I don't know. To go under the knife, no, I you couldn't mean? Do it. Yeah, that, that scares me too. If you said, hey, how about you do 50% of what you want to do? Because it feels like people always do 110% of what they want Correct. to do. Yeah. Like they always go yeah. too much instead yeah. of going, you know, I'm just going to go a little bit into this. Yeah. It should be tiny things. Yeah. You're it's right. Like, it should be 30% of what you think you yeah. should do. Yeah. yeah. Ginger Rogers used to be guilty of this. When she was a big star back in the day, she was um, always accused of wearing too much too many things, too much jewelry, too much clothes, too many feathers. So every time she'd leave the house, her mother would yell from the other room, take that piece off before you leave. <laughs> so she'd always have to take one thing off. And then she was perfect. Yeah. But she always tend to do that one extra thing that made it too much. And that's kind of the same thing with some people with their injectables or their surgery. No, you know, they do just it. don't know where to stop. You know. Yeah. And sometimes you see 
that where somebody was something or someone, and then you see them later, and you know it's it's tough to yeah. see. You know, you feel for them because, like a guy, we just age and we age naturally, gracefully, gratefully, and uh, it's okay. But we don't allow women to have that that moment, that opportunity. Yeah, it's one thing to sleep with a stranger. It's another thing to wake up next to one. <laughs> I remember seeing Susan Sarandon uh, recently. She looks spectacular. Yeah. Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels. Oh, she, amazing. Like you just go, yeah, that's amazing. not fair. I don't care how it's done. If anything's done, she looks spectacular. I mean, yeah. Right. Well, that's when you've done it right. I'm sure she's done something. But she's done it right so that you don't know. And what a lot she's of it is, is is in skincare too. I mean, that yeah. that moisturizing, that 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 plays a great role. Lauren Bacall aged well too. You know, I mean, she went through those 50s and 60s and she looked like herself and there was a grace to that too, but you know, it, it's a hard thing to let go of. I mean, I even I even become guilty of that sometimes when you look at yourself in the morning shave and you go, "Wait, is that Okay, good morning. I think it's me. You know what I mean? You're trying to shave around certain areas. But if I said you could be a Hollywood heartthrob in your younger years, Mm -hmm. but you weren't going to be in your later years, would would you take— He's talking about you, Joey. Would you take the early years? Would you take those early years knowing you're going to be David Cassidy or Bobby Sherman? Yeah, I would just become a director. (laughs) <laughs> okay. After <laughs> when it changed, Do you know what I mean. I would know when. I would just know well enough when to step away from the camera. Okay. I think your twenties and thirties, and and if you could roll into your forties with some semblance of, of that, I think you're doing really well. And I think there comes a time for everybody that you have to put your ego aside, and let yourself be who you are authentically. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure if I mean it's hard it's for hard. a lot of people, especially because that image represents us all the time. But are you suggesting trading a David Cassidy for like a, a George Clooney, where in his later years he's as attractive? Yeah, because he wasn't as attractive when he was younger to where he is now. But right, yeah. Would I he's rather have David Cassidy heartthrob for fifteen or twenty years, or would I? No, I'd rather have George Clooney. I'd rather at, I'd at, rather remain looking look like at, George look Clooney. Look at Brad Pitt. I mean, look how he's aging. He's 56 now, I think. No, you know who's not fair? Who? Keanu Reeves. Oh, who still looks like he's 35. He does. (laughs) He he came into the studio a couple of years ago. He walked in, had a suit on, and he's 50, I think, at the time. He looked 35. It it wasn't fair. It was not Mm -hmm. fair. And I went, God damn, you look awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he looks yeah. awesome. He's got beautiful skin. He's Must got be that... all that Botox and moisturizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. No, but I mean, I'm up, I'm up close and personal with Brad every day, and let me tell you, he, he looks amazing. I mean, in every way. I mean, and, and it's also the way that you represent yourself. You know, the way that you look at life. You know, you got to keep that energy young within your spirit and within your mind. You've got to be present. My dad was the same way. He, he read everything. He, he was always current. He never said, "Oh, when I was a kid." He didn't subscribe to that that stuff at all. Yeah. It was always in the moment. And you hung out with younger people. He didn't hang out with a bunch of old fogies talking about hemorrhoids all day long. You know, there was nothing worse than that. I think it kind of transcends from inside to outside, too. Well, you go back to Thelma and Louise with Brad, and, you know, he just pops on the screen. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that was heartthrob big time. Yes, it was. Yes. 
But then, yeah. you know, what he did, you know, once upon a time, you know, he... Took that shirt yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Got him an Oscar. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, but he was so funny in it. Just just when he's yeah. he's stoned and he's getting the dog yeah, food. Yeah, that was my favorite scene. It's so sneaky great. That's my favorite yeah. scene, too. I'm just like, he, yeah. he fucking killed that. Killed it. And in and, yeah. and, 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 and such a subtle way that I thought was just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I was on set that day too. And I was laughing my ass off. But when you think of Quentin, he's, he's won. No, I don't want to say he's won, but he won Christoph's vaults two Academy Awards. Right. And he wins one for Brad. And I say that because he, he made those scenes. The actor has to make it work, but like the scene in Inglorious Bastards with Christoph's, when he comes into that farmhouse, yeah. And, you know, you have the Jews are in the basement, they're hiding, and he knows they're there. They know that he knows they're there. And it's about a <laughs> seven-minute scene. And I remember watching in the movie, I turned to my wife, I said, he, he just won the Academy Award. And mm-hmm. she goes, how do you know that? I said, he, he just, I didn't know anything about Christoph Waltz, but oh my God, I was like, he just won the Academy Award. Yeah. It's interesting how you can pick the scene, actually, that, that got them the award. I do that quite often with certain movies that I watch, especially a lot of the iconic films, and you can really see where they got that. And that, and I, I guarantee you, that is the scene that Brad won for. Yes, but but you know, Renee, when she did Judy Garland, there's a scene at it, not the very end, but right before the very end, and I'm watching. I said to my wife, I said, she just won the Academy Award. Yeah, and I think because of that scene, she did. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time when I, not that I'm always right, but when I watch a movie, I'll go, oh my God, you're going to get nominated for that scene. Yeah. Or, I, you know, I felt Maybe strongly. You be part with, of the Foreign Press Association. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, being an actor myself, uh, yes. you know, I, I understand the, the art. Uh, so it's something I relate to with Brad. <laughs> yes, right. yes, so. yes, exactly. Yes. Remember that film Network? Yeah. I mean, Beatrice Strait won it just for one, she was only in the movie for one scene. And she stole that. That's what she got. She picked up that Oscar. She just, that one scene, and she was only in the movie for one scene. She, that was the scene that she won the Oscar for. Now that you've mentioned being an actor, yeah. how are you finding that transition from radio to being on the Peacock every morning? You don't think about being on TV. Has it changed anything, though? No. People react differently? Well, they do because I have an incredible man cave here and a lot of tchotchkes and uh, yeah. um, yes, but it's almost like watch what happens live a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <You> ever, <laughs> yeah. I but we just do it. it. There's there's a voyeuristic feel. I have probably 14 cameras in here, and they follow along wherever you go. We don't play to the camera, and right. therefore I'm doing a radio show on TV about a radio show. And Mm -hmm. therefore, you just come on in and you can kind of watch us and we kind of show good, bad and ugly. We show you how radio is made. We wanted to bring you behind the curtain. And and I've been able to do that for the last, you know, almost 15 years with this sort of simulcast. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. And you're enjoying the whole process, right? Yeah. You know, I just turned 65. So, you know, to be able to get up to do it every day, I like doing it every day and I have a great group of guys like we just have fun you come in and you go this this was fun and yeah yeah and, no it looks like you're having fun when you watch it yeah yeah and and i even said this to my guys on friday last friday i said that was a bleeping fun show but it was <laughs> and it should be 
I mean, there, yeah. there are days during the pandemic where, you know, what are we talking about? But it brought, a, brought us closer together because we had to kind of figure out this was not normal times. So what are you talking about and, and what differentiates you from somebody else? And we just thought about things more because a lot of it was just we naturally do it and we fill in the gray area. We yeah. had to get we had to be a little bit more strategic in what we were doing. But I've been with these guys for, you know, some of them for 20 years. And we just, you know, we're we're friends and we sort of know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah, we would do a segment with, we still do it occasionally where we talk about our guilty pleasure for the week or whatever. And then during the pandemic, you know, we would always ask, well, what's your guilty pleasure? And after a while, it just became my guilty pleasure is breathing. Yeah. You know, because there without was so- Without a mask on. We, you, you, without a mask on yeah. <clears throat> in your living room, yeah. yeah. But uh, we became these creatures of habit because we were thrown into this, the whole world where, that just kind of stopped. So we had to find creativity and interest and things to- you know, forget just about talking about, but actually to do every day, that was a little bit different. So you challenge yourself so it's not the same thing, you know? Well, a lot of times what you talk about and when you talk about it, you give more importance to it or less importance to it. If there's nothing going on, then that story becomes even bigger. But if there's two other stories going on, then that might be the third most popular story that you're going to talk about. A lot of it is timing with... You know, if a scandal breaks or somebody gets traded or somebody gets fired, and yeah. if there are other things that are going on, then you might not get to those or might not spend as much time on those stories. Are you loving doing the podcast business? And, and what else is it you would like to do before we boot you off our podcast? <laughs> I love the radio aspect. I, I like when you can listen to my voice or listen to me interview, and then you formalize whatever you want to form formalized, that, that you created in your mind. I think it's still a very, very powerful aphrodisiac. Like, it's like... Yeah, I agree. But uh, I, I just uh, started doing some documentaries. And, um, I, I got one finished and uh, another one that I'm working on. One has to do with uh, jump roping in the Olympics. And the other one has to do with okay. uh, saving scallops in Nantucket you know, going out with fishermen and, and what they do every day and, you know, how the conditions, you know, getting the scallops to all these restaurants and having, you know, the, the chefs talk about it. It was just something that fascinated me out of nowhere. I mean, you, we were talking about, hey, you're the sports guy. Well, I'm talking about scallops on Nantucket right. and <laughs> getting jump roping in the Olympics. Right. And, I, you know, they just fascinated me. There's so many men out there going, I didn't know this guy's such a weirdo. I'm not watching his show anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you like scallops, actually? I love no. them. <laughs> no. No. I, I love oysters, but I don't, I, I'm like not scallops. big on scallops. No. And my, my wife will eat the live scallops. You know, you go to a oh, Japanese yeah, right restaurant. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll go, no, 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 no. I'm going to close my eyes you while you have scallop. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you have to uh, separate them from that shell because they, they have a... Uh, an attachment, yeah, like a tentacle on there. Oh, but they're good. We have one story we want to tell you that I'm, I don't know if you've heard before. But when Paul Anderson came to me, you know, I never, I was like, this podcast is never going to sell. Why would anybody ever want this podcast? And I thought about it. <laughs> and you know, Alan is a very positive person. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't give it two thoughts. And Joey's off telling everybody, we're doing a podcast. I said, stop telling everybody that. You're going to be embarrassed. 
and and Paul Anderson called me one day and he said Dan Patrick wants to buy your podcast, and I was like, why would the lieutenant governor of Texas? I said, buy- now we we have to talk about Trump things and and politics and all. We that were stuff. like, we were like, why would he care about us? He's he's so right. He's going to hate us. I don't understand the connection. I have people who think that I come up with these policies uh, that. You know, the lieutenant. You're the guy. Yes, lieutenant governor um, came out and said he didn't care about old people. And I got people who were angry. Like, why don't you care about old people? I don't even know what they're talking about. I said, I love old people. I'm one of them. Yes, I'm getting there. But they're like, you know, how can you have those opinions, but you never bring those up on your show? And I'm like, that's so it's funny. Weird. Well, we had the same. I had the same mistake only because at the time he was, you know, being very vocal about what was going on. Yeah. And so his name was in the news a lot. And so that was the Dan Patrick I thought. And of I being and I've had him on the show. Fan. He's a former sportscaster. And oh, he yeah. Is. And I wanted. Yeah, yeah. He is. I wanted to say, you know, can you tone down the rhetoric here? You know, just <laughs> you can have your opinions, but I'm I, they're different than my opinions here. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm proud to have you guys part of the podcast network. That I have, and uh, I look forward to uh, being able to cross paths uh, in person here. Yes, well, we, we too. Really Thank you, David. For I mean, David. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever the hell you are. Oh my God! I knew this Thank was a for bad everything. idea. We would tell everybody where to find you, but I think they already know. Well, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Thank you, Thank Dan. You it was fun having you today. Take care. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, All right you too. Be well. Bye bye. See, I told you he had other interests. And, you know, and you know, you and I are both car guys. We love our cars. And he's a big he's a car, car guy. guy. I know. So we weren't just limited to talking about sports or listening to people talk about sports. No, he was great. <laughs> no, he's amazing. He? Yeah, he's terrific. He's easy and fun and uh, really intelligent and a joy to uh, yeah. work for. Great sense of humor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm proud to call him my boss. Me too. Me too. So that is another episode of Two Guys from Hollywood. And we want to thank you for joining us. And we would love it if you would go and rate and review us. But of course, that's only if you're going to give us a good rating and a good review. We have no interest in you giving us a bad review. Well, and you know what? Knock on wood, we don't have any bad reviews. Don't tell them that. Some smart ass we is going to want to go in there. We have so many bad reviews. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> but we do, and we do appreciate your support because of it. If you're new to the podcast, let us know what you think. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You know, we're going to be posting recipes, photos, links from all of our episodes just for you. And keep the questions coming and message us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, your email, your questions, contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. I see we have quite a bit of questions here we haven't answered. Maybe next week. Yeah. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Editing and post-production by Nathan Moody. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.